We're going to continue on in our message series that we've been, we've been talking about different decisions and learning how to make better decisions. And I have a question. Just like last week, I sometimes like to start with a question. And this is one where I'm not sure that we know the answer of, but how many ads does the average person see in a day? Anyone have any idea on that? I mean, I know what the internet says. There are so many different types of, types of ads today, and some of them we don't even, we're not even aware of. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're in a busy place, there's lots and lots of ads. But everything we do now is filled with advertising. The reality is we don't actually know for certain how many ads we see a day. But we know it's a lot. Everything is full of it. One study actually found that the more money a country spent on advertising, the less satisfied its citizens were the following year. Does that surprise you? No, it shouldn't surprise us at all. The more we're inundated with advertising, it actually makes us, their conclusion was, unhappy. Now, some ads, of course, are necessary. You know, there are things that we do need to be alerted to. But the message in a lot of our advertising about what you need to be happy or fulfilled is also the same thing that is making us unhappy. Houston, we have a problem. This is a megaphone that's blaring at us daily that says, you can't live without me until you possess me. You won't be happy until you buy me. And when you do, you might be momentarily happy until the next thing. What a culture we live in today. I'm here today, however, to share a countercultural message, the countercultural message of Jesus Christ. A message that actually can break the cycle which tells you that you're not enough until you have enough. Jesus Christ would say the opposite. He would say, I am more than enough. And it begins by opening your heart to experience the power and blessing of the all-sufficient God of abundance. Now the Bible gives us some helpful clues as to what life actually can be on this earth. Acts 20 reminds us of the words of the Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. That's almost like a, a mantra or a maximum that we have internalized or we hear in different places. Blessed. Experiencing increased happiness and long-lasting joy. Or Matthew 10.8, which says, Give as freely as you have received. Freely. That means without compulsion. Without being coerced. Or without grumbling or guilt. Instead, give with gratitude. It's about being open-hearted, not 
tight-fisted. And what I know about so many of you from our conversations, both recently and through the years, is that you love to give. And in fact, many of you are already giving a lot, so much of yourself in different ways. And some of you I know would love to give, but maybe you feel like you just can't right now, or you're not sure if you can or if you're able to give. And while that may be temporarily true for you, I want to suggest something this morning, that God is inviting us into a more expansive mindset of becoming, what I'm saying, irrationally generous. Generous in a way and in ways that don't make sense in our world. Some of you are already doing this kind of generous stuff in your life. God is inviting us to develop an expansive view of generosity beyond merely dollar signs. This is not just dollars and cents. That's why the title on the back of the bulletin says, When You Stop Holding Back. What derails generosity is not a lack of resources or ongoing troubles, which make your life challenging and more difficult. What derails us from becoming irrationally generous is an insufficiency of belief. Said it, saying it another way, a scarcity of trust, a deficit of faith. Maybe you have a different phrase that you could come up with as well. Because being generous is not a question of resources. God already has enough and says that you are more than enough. That's why we've been focusing on the decisions we can make about who we want to be in this world. And we've been saying, with God's help. So today we can say that once more. With God's help, who I want to be is, I am generous. By the grace of God, this is who I'm deciding to be with the time I have been given here on earth. If we're going to err on one side or the other, we want to err on the side of generosity. With God's help, I will not give in to the fear of not enough, of not trusting that God is sufficient in every way. But like The other decisions we've been talking about the last few weeks, getting ready, being consistent, becoming devoted, all of these things, all of these decisions must be intentional. Last week I said none of us actually stumbles accidentally into devotion. It's the same this week too. None of us accidentally stumbles into becoming irrationally generous. It takes intention. Our brains might like to say things like, well, one day when I have more, then I'll be able to give more. One day when I'm more skilled, then I'll be able to do more. 
But generosity is never about what you have or don't have. It's a mindset that is planted and grows within your heart. A gift of the Holy Spirit, nurtured in your heart. It's a cooperative decision between you and God as you are shaped in such a way that you begin to reflect the very heart of God in this way. When we grow in generosity, it actually moves us away from fear, from those fearful thoughts of scarcity and insufficiency and towards the truth that God is indeed enough and more than enough. Generosity is not a resource issue, it's a spiritual issue. If we're not generous now, chances are we won't be later. Something will always get in the way and we'll come up with new excuses about why I just can't right now. Maybe tomorrow, Lord, I promise I'll get to it tomorrow. Jesus actually shared a story that illustrates this really well in the Bible. Luke chapter 12. We've actually studied this uh, parable before. It's about a rich man who had a big harvest and he wonders where he's going to put it all. He doesn't have enough room for all of the blessing that he has received. But he doesn't say, when I have just a little bit more, then I'm going to be generous. When I have just a little bit more, then I'll be able to give more. No, he doesn't say that. What does he do when he finally had more? I'll tell you what he does. He did what he always had done before. Luke 12, 18 says, I know, these are his words, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Yahoo! Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have stored enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now I'm not saying that that doesn't sound good. There's a little bit of that that is definitely, you know, it's like advertising. It kind of sucks us in a little bit. Now, why do you think he did what he had always done? Because the reality is that having more doesn't make you more generous. More just makes you more of what you already are. It reveals who you are and where your heart is aiming. The amazing poet, Notorious B.I.G., said it best, more money, more problems. Giving may be what we do, but generosity is a spiritual orientation of the heart that the Holy Spirit can develop in you. And the good news is that you can decide today who you want to be. You can make the commitment that with God's help, I am generous. Now, how can we grow in this commitment? I'm just going to offer two thoughts this morning. The first is this, and it kind of goes along with our theme over the last couple weeks about developing a game plan? Well, generous people plan to be generous. 
sometimes we do see a need. We try to offer some relief, a meal, a dollar, some groceries, a blanket, a gift. And to be really, really clear, just so you're not misunderstanding me, giving is good. We want to give. We should want to give. Because giving is one way that we honor the Lord. But giving isn't quite the same as generosity. Because you can give even when you're grumbling or reluctant. What's that verse? God loves a... Yeah, you've heard that. Some of you have heard that phrase, a cheerful giver. I don't know how he feels about a reluctant giver. Giving when you're reluctant or grumbling, now it can still benefit the recipient. Yet you may not experience the gifts of God yourself, blessing and increased happiness and joy and freedom. The Bible actually says this directly about generosity. In Isaiah 32, 8, it's so short, I love it. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. I like this a lot. They plan to, and then they do it. They plan to, and then they do it. Now the thing is, we all have a plan. You might think, I don't have a plan. Well, we have a plan usually for getting, and I'm ashamed to admit that if there's something that I want, I will research the snot out of it. I will look at reviews, how many stars did it get, I will see what's the best model. Some of you are nodding your heads because you know and you do the same thing. What's the top rating? What's the best deal? You ask Reddit for help. Generous people actually do this too, but on the other end, on the giving end, they plan to be generous. They put the same kind of effort and energy into their generosity as they do in their consumption. And when God's people are infused with a spirit of generosity, we actually begin prayerfully and strategically organizing our life around it. We learn to ask God things like, Lord, how can I make a difference? Show me. Sometimes God puts something directly in front of you, we just don't see it. We learn to ask God, God, how do you want us to be a blessing in and to the world? And this is not merely a spontaneous or random or occasional thing. It certainly can be those things. But without a thoughtful plan, here's the problem. My emotional state or even having a bad day can derail me from participating in the generosity that God wants me to involve myself in. A bad day can influence whether I give or not. Because no one accidentally falls into overwhelming generosity. And I'm not simply talking about money here, but all our resources, our time, our gifts, our skills, yes, our dollars, and even your presence in the world, offering yourself as a generous gift to the world. Some of you are already doing this a lot, I know. 
Remember that what derails our generosity is not resources, but it's a spiritual issue. Because scarcity and insufficiency, those are common fears. I have that from time to time as well. I know some of you do as well. So we have to aim to break those cycles and habits. How? Well, Jesus actually already provided a strategy. It's a verse that I shared last week. And I'm going to share it again, Matthew 6.33. He says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. When Jesus speaks these words, he's talking about our fear and worry about not having enough. If you want to break that doom cycle, seek God first. It changes everything. It's like short-circuiting a bad cycle and jump-starting you into a new and better cycle. Generous people plan to be generous. The second thought is this. This is something that is a good habit to get into. Generous people round up. And I'm not just talking about at the checkout counter where it's like, do I want to donate these extra seven cents? Although that might be a good thing too. I'm not sure. Last Thanksgiving, we collected $226 of coins in our cans for change to benefit Covenant World Relief and Development. That was an amazing, generous gift, collecting it little by little and presenting it to the Lord. But to practice this, do you know what we did? We actually rounded up this year. We rounded up to $500.20 because there was a little convenience fee as well. Practicing rounding up beyond what we think we can do. It's one of the reasons that as a church we made the commitment a number of years ago to move to being a full tithing church so that we can learn to instill this uh, spirit of generosity in us, of giving back to God what is already his in the first place and sometimes even doing more than what we think we can do. Now, we're not simply talking about money, although I will admit that being a stingy tipper is not a good look for God's people. Can you imagine if God was stingy in the way that he viewed your level of service and devotion in the past week? Well, you know, Steve was a bit lackluster in his quality of service this week. So I think I have to make an example of him and then post it on Instagram for everyone to embarrass him. No, it sounds silly to think about it in that way. No, God is gracious and generous even when we don't deserve it. That's the amazing thing. We deserve nothing, yet God rounds up to withhold nothing even giving his one and only son to bless and save and redeem the world. Proverbs 21 says, The righteous give and do not hold back. In other words, those who are seeking God first learn to give without holding back. 
This is hard because from the time we're babies, we learn how to grab onto things and then we never let go. And as adults, we like to do the same thing. We learn to give without holding back because that's exactly what God has already done for us. He rounded up in the extreme. And we see this all throughout the Bible. We see it in the story of the Good Samaritan who sees a man beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. And what does he do? He comes alongside him. He bandages his wounds. He puts him on his uh, donkey. He takes him to a hotel. He pays his bill. And then he pays more in case it takes a little bit longer. And he tells the innkeeper, if it costs more, I'll come back and we'll settle up then. He rounded up. We see it in the story of Zacchaeus. Same thing. Remember, some of you remember the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree to see what he could see. If you don't know his story, he was a tax collector a wicked crook who stole from many people. Yet when he experienced the overwhelming grace of God, not only does he decide to pay it back, but he says, I'm going to pay it back four times as much to whoever I stole from. Restitution. He rounded up. Jesus taught this as well over and over. Sometimes we would call it going the extra mile. You know, Jesus, if someone compels you to go one mile, then go with them two miles. If someone wants your shirt, give them your awesome jacket too. They will be amazed at your generosity. Because when we round up, especially when it's undeserved and unexpected, we are modeling what God has already done for us. This isn't merely about going over and above what is expected or conventional. It's about learning to be irrationally generous. Learning how to be open-fisted, not tight-hearted. I started to learn this about 25 years ago. I was on a trip. We happened to be on a choir trip. We went to Korea. It was an amazing experience. And in Korea, we were hosted by different families. And our host mom was amazing. It was me and another friend of mine. We were two young, dumb, large American males. And this family was amazing. The generosity that they showed, not only did she cook way more food than we could eat, but they expressed generosity through the hospitality of honoring their guests. I didn't feel like I deserved it at all. I was learning a whole new thing. And they ended up, after dinner, they pulled out the most amazing tea set I had ever seen. The kind of tea that comes in cups that you're afraid to touch. You know, like the, the yearly china that you pull out and you don't put it in the dishwasher because it'll break. And they served us this amazing tea. And I wasn't a big tea drinker, but I have to say it was amazing. And I found out later that this tea cost over $100. And that was 25 years ago. 
and I was blown away. And it's a moment that I will remember forever. Something changed in my heart that day, and I was 20 years old. I'm like, man, I want to be like that. I want to be irrationally generous. Something that comes out of the heart. And this was a passing moment, but it's something that God has been at work in my heart, changing it little by little. Friends, giving may be what you do regularly or sporadically, but being generous is who God invites us to be. He invites us to be this now because of who he is. It's what he's inviting you to to commit to today. And when you do, God will prove himself faithful over and over again. The only time that God asks us to test him is about giving back to him what is already his. Test me in this and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of blessing. This is not some cheap prosperity gospel, friends. This is the heart-changing good news of the generosity gospel. What an awesome God we serve. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to be irrationally generous. Generous not just with our wallets, but generous in our use of time the particular skills and gifts that you give and develop within us, the particular opportunities that we have. Give us a generosity of spirit that allows us to minister to people around us, a ministry of presence that might be the most important thing that we do to be irrationally generous this week. God, will you open our eyes Help us to seize those opportunities that you provide. We offer this prayer in the name of Jesus, Christ our Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Receive now this word of blessing. Go with God in his perfect peace. May God be with you and beside you and above you and beside you and below you and behind you and every way as you go on your way to love and serve him and one another. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Great to see all of you, and I look forward to seeing you again.